Hey friends, welcome to the Leadership Podcast, Be Well, Lead Well, Fresh Seasons 2, episode number 15. We are so honored that you are spending your time with us today. I don't know where you're listening to this. You could be driving, riding to your work, or running, or cooking in your home. Thank you. I believe our time today will help you to think about important things about life and leadership. Our goal is to help you become a good leader who builds a healthy leadership culture. I am beyond grateful for this opportunity to serve and share this time with you. Friends, I'm so excited to start this new season of Be Well, Lead Well podcast with a series of conversation on leadership with my friend, Pastor Joel Holm. Joel has a rich background of being born and raised in mission field in Korea after the war. He saw how God worked firsthand amid the pain and the horror of the war, by how God raised his churches to take care of the needy and the orphan and churches raised up. This season, we are particularly having a conversation about helping next generation leaders with the biblical principles of being leaders like a pillar. Joel has a rich experience as a pastor from mega church and then leading a ministry called Pathfinder International, which impacted the world. In this episode, we started discussing what made Joel home Joel. I believe Joel is not only a man with a sharp mind, but an equally humble and a good heart. So come and lead him to hear how his childhood shaped his passion for leadership, ministry, and a life as a whole. face-to-face talking to you it's always good it's always good I think our friendship goes back so long Um, before we were born I think (laughs) it's been a lot of years that's for sure and uh, you know I always had this uh, desire I mean like I've sat under your teaching almost wow many times (laughs) but then you know just to understand how the process worked for you. I mean, like, you have not become this intelligent, this humble guy in, like, a short period of time. My <laughs> wife would tell you, I'm still not that intelligent, <laughs> humble guy that she's hoping I become. So, and then, so, like, I think over the couple of uh, years, we've been working very closely with mm-hmm. this idea of, like, uh, leading and helping and equipping the next generation. Right. I think it's not just an overlap of a vision, but uh, such a stronger connection to the vision. And then now you come up with this uh, great, uh, uh, how should I describe it? A movement slash program, content, whatever you call it. The nice thing about not being able to describe something is it means maybe it's new enough yeah. that it doesn't fit in a box. Exactly. It could mean that you have no clue what you're doing, and that's not good. <laughs> but let's stick with the, when you're, when, you, when God gives you an idea that's new enough, sometimes we're too eager to perfectly describe it. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, yeah. well, God's still creating that. Yeah. So as God creates it, we'll get better language around yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, for the sake of the audience, like a lot of, the people that I work with know you. Yeah. They, don't need, they don't need an introduction, but I I assume and I hope there are a broader audience. Right. Yeah, can you share a little bit about yourself? Uh, who are you? 
what you do and your childhood. I think talking about your childhood would be quite interesting for the Asian and like Indian context, like where you grew up. You mean because I am Asian? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I think it it applies to both you and I, Ron, some of what and how God has knit our hearts together and what we're doing is because what we didn't necessarily have growing up. Mm -hmm. We're both grateful for our heritage. Mm -hmm. Uh, My parents were missionaries. I actually grew up in South Korea, was born there, raised there. And grew up in the context of uh, really frontline mission mm. work that was all very positive, mm. very good. And I saw God work in amazing ways. And it, in many ways, it shaped my identity as a global citizen mm. and as a global kingdom citizen. Yeah. Um, and that had a huge impact on me uh, as I then entered into adulthood and felt a call into ministry. Um, what I had learned in a multicultural environment and then in seeing God work. And as I went into ministry, whether I was pastoring, which I did for a season, um, and even now no longer being a local church pastor, but working obviously with churches around the world, you know, I get to see God at work Mm. in many different contexts, Mm -hmm. culturally, social, economically, in many different kinds of ways. And a lot of what I do and even how I think Mm -hmm. was shaped by my upbringing of growing up in a different culture, mm-hmm. seeing God work very creatively. And it was a difficult culture at the time. Korea had just come out of a war. Yeah. And they were just recovering from that. So in one sense, you look at an environment that is socially and economically really depleted. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, it's going to be so hard and nothing good can come. Mm-hmm. But uh, God worked in such really divine, magnificent ways and the Korean church uh, just flourished yeah. for a couple of decades after that. And even that was a lesson for me that God works in very creative ways. Mm-hmm. A lot of my uh, thinking, a lot of my design work is creative. Mm-hmm. Um, some people would say, you know, Joel thinks outside of the box or he looks at things differently. And that I can attribute to growing up and I guess watching God work mm-hmm. in incredibly creative and unique ways. I think too oftentimes we just settle for what is or all that we know and God did not stop creating yeah. in the book of Genesis yeah. and he still has an enormously large resource of really good ideas that he wants us to tap into and so that has shaped me as well as just what what's the next new interesting creative idea God may have it's kind of interesting like I mean I know we have other session to talk about the idea around the pillar, uh, the create, but I mean, you said uh, you kind of watch how God works creatively. Yeah. I mean, did anyone taught you that? How did that come? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, I'm sure like people watch how God works, but like I don't think they do actually. Yeah. I think okay. Most of <laughs> Truth be told, like sometimes we get so busy. Yeah. And we forget God's the architect behind this. Um, I am by nature wired to be a learner. Mm. I love to learn. I love okay. new things. Yeah. I love fresh ideas. Yeah. Um, I like asking questions. Mm. And early on in life, and, and my father probably helped influence me that way. Early on in life, I would always just look and watch. Why is this happening? How is this happening? And being having the incredible privilege of being able to see God work through the church in China or Africa yeah. or North America. You just, it's just diverse. Yeah. Um, and so I, I learned 
I learned this beautiful secret, but then I had to steward it and practice it. Mm. Watching God work in God's ideas mm. and tapping into God's creativity. And then uh, it's probably not a strength, but um, always wanting a challenge or something exciting. Mm -hmm. So you go, okay, could we do something different? Yeah. Could we do yeah. something new and exciting and challenging? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's what kind of where I learned the practice of watching God work and putting language to it. If you look in the story of Genesis, God created the animals, and then he invited Adam to name them. Mm. And it's like he said, give language to what I'm doing. Mm. Steward it. Yeah. Look at my creativity and then be a part of it. Mm. And that story has always shaped a lot of my leadership. Is I'm just looking at what God's doing mm. and then trying to give language to it, structure to it, clarity to it, so I can be a part of it. Does that discipline include, like, I mean, of course you do read a lot, but like, you have friends pretty much all over the world, like close friend that work in the kingdom work. Yeah. Does that kind of feed into your um, like watching how God works also? Yeah, I would probably say there's three sources. One is definitely watching how God works practically through friends, mm. through other churches, you know, when I'm visiting places for sure. Um, and then part of it does come just through exposure of reading, you know, people I don't know, but I'll read them. Um, but then a lot of it is you just have a lot of sleepless nights because you're yeah. in bed yeah. and you and the Holy Spirit are yeah. thinking through yeah. ideas and you're asking questions. The Holy Spirit's giving you a little bit of revelation. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of it, honestly, is just tapping into this sense of what might be. How could this work? Um, there's a great story in Acts where Peter, who was leader of the church, seeing great miracles, seeing great evangelism, and yet God leads him into Cornelius' house to do something new. Goes into the house of a Gentile, never done before. And Cornelius is overwhelmed, and Peter makes this statement in that story. He says, I now get it. I now realize how true it is. Here's Peter, who didn't get something before. Now he gets a new revelation. And sometimes we get to a place where we feel like we understand it all, we're in control. We look back at our life five years ago and we think, oh, we were really silly then, but now we understand it. And here's Peter going, you'll never really fully get it. So there's always something new God wants to show you. You yes. just got to carve the time out to think about it, pray about it, dream about it, and try it. I, and honestly, you know, half the things I try fail. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I remember the first time I met you, um, you came for a Youth on Fire conference with two of your friends from Chicago. And my interaction with the Western world was like, I mean, very limited. I mean, in fact, non-existent at that time. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, you know, uh, for me coming from a third world context like India, uh, people coming from the West, like, I'm not saying for everybody, but it kind of looks like that in the mission world that people from the West come with money mm. um, yeah. or like a power or something like that. And you had that humility or that uh, wisdom where you are not offering money, but you had this uh, incredible passion to learn and integrate that in the mission work, you know. And, and you have already said that being and raised in Korea kind of helped you that. How much has that shaped your calling, I mean, as you kind of progress um, right up to this point? Yeah, that's a really good question, Ron. And I do remember the first time we we met together. Um, and I didn't offer you money because I was broke. But, <laughs> but truthfully, I 
you get to a place where you you kind of come to terms with the fact that this is an incredible privilege to serve God. There's this great joy in it. And if your goal in going someplace is to discover more of Jesus, then you go in the right mindset and the right spirit. Yeah. So I know when I went to Youth on Fire, I was one of the speakers, yeah. and I had to speak, so there was something I had to give. Yeah. But my ultimate goal was I just wanted to discover more of Jesus. I wow. wanted to discover Jesus in you, in that event. I just wanted to know more about Jesus. Yeah. So the integration principle is a huge guiding principle for me. Mm-hmm. It, it integrates, you know, when my kids were little, integrating my kids into uh, the life of my calling and my ministry. You have met my children. Yeah, yeah. You know my yeah, wife. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think as a minister especially, but in any vocational setting, God can show and will show himself in any way. So it's shaped my ministry by going places to discover more of Jesus. That was my goal. Yeah. I mean, did that come like automatically? I mean, you, your father shaped you. The, I, you might be getting tired because, you know, I... Sometimes I struggle that with myself because uh, in ministry, like you have this mindset of like, what I what do I need to achieve? Like, yeah. let's do this. Like, and we have achieved a fair bit of work for the kingdom, but then you kind of lose that side of ourselves. Like, how do I discover Jesus more? I think one thing that takes place is, at least for me, mm-hmm. is I had success mm-hmm. as many would define success in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I'm still having success. It just was not that fulfilling. Mm, okay. Discovering Jesus, really fulfilling. Yeah. Preaching to 10,000 people, eh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, when I was young, I thought, preaching to 10,000 people, what could be better than that? Absolutely. And I've done that. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the opportunity I've done that. Not that big of a deal. Mm. You know, by the next morning. Yeah. You know? But I think the you have to be careful that the goals you set are going to be very impactful in shaping how you go about achieving those goals. Mm. So make sure your goals are right mm. so that the way you achieve those goals will also be right. There is nothing wrong with setting goals around having significant impact in ministry. But if those goals are the only goals you have mm. and that integration principle, discovery yeah. Jesus, yeah. things like that, is not a part of it. Yeah. So one of the greatest joys I've had is, you know, we've been good friends now for 25 years. But I think for both of us in ministry, our goal wasn't just to do something that we needed to partner with somebody else to be able to do it. Our goal, our goal was to become brothers. Mm. And that has become enormously rewarding yeah. while we also get to do together for the king. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one thing, I mean, like, there are a thousand things I've learned from you. Every time I like spend time with you, I mean, we work, work with the pastors and the leaders in church and church is not always a like a beautiful place, a fun place, and there's so many good things happening, bad things happening. And whenever the issue of church comes, you never criticize the church. You you have this, um, a genuine love for the church. And that's something uh, you have taught me. And and perhaps that's the thing that you have got it because your greatest joy is to be with Jesus. I mean, you know, in, in, in today's day and age, when you talk about, I mean, I'm in love with Jesus, it, it sounds almost cringing. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, yesterday, 
my wife and I celebrated 36 years of marriage. Yeah. I'm quite proud of that number. Yeah. Because number one, they were all in a row. Yeah. All in a row. We didn't skip any years, 36 yeah. in a row. 35 were happy. Yeah. One was a little shaky, but we got through it. Um, if you came to me and started criticizing my wife. Yeah. And I know my wife's not perfect. Yeah. But you start criticizing my wife, mm. you and I, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. This is my wife. Yeah. The church is the bride of Christ. Mm. Not just the wife of yeah. Christ, the bride of Christ. Yeah. Jesus is very clear that the church has got problems. Mm. But you start criticizing his bride, mm. you're going to have some problems. And yeah. the person who gets hurt the most is not that your church, but yourself. Yeah. Because you put yourself in a place where you are no longer any good to help Jesus continue to ref refine that bride in a sense. So um, I told my church this the other day. I said, we don't criticize other churches. We have enough to work on. And the one reason why we are not the perfect church is me. Yeah. I said, if I leave, I'm sure we'll be the perfect church. But <laughs> it's, you know, so yeah, uh, I think it's an important lesson. Yeah. I grew up as a missionary kid where every branch of the body of Christ was there. All the different denominations, mm -hmm. all that kind of, and they were all very unified because yeah. you're together in a foreign country. Yeah. Um, and so there's something that connects you together, yeah. some kind of camaraderie. And it really did shape me to be what would be called in the English ecumenical, really yeah. open to the greater body yeah. of Christ. And we may look a little bit different and we may not always agree and all of us have our yeah. issues. Yeah. But uh, we don't do Jesus much good service by criticizing his bride. Be truthful about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Be honest about stuff. Yeah. But just to, just to have a spirit about it, it just, we're talking about his bride and we're going to have problems. Yeah, I think I'm just making connection about what you said about like, my greatest joy is to, to discover more of Jesus. Yeah. And that helps you love his bride. Absolutely. It, I mean, no-brainer. You know? <laughs> but sometimes, like, I think in the ministry, we have this dichotomy. Like, I mean, I'm doing the ministry, but I don't have time to love Jesus or discover Jesus. It's really true, Ron. There is, it's easy to segregate our relationship and intimacy with Jesus and our work for Jesus. And here's what I think is the wrong response. I have to have, be intimate with Jesus so that I can do the work of Jesus, I think is the wrong response. I think the right response is being intimate with Jesus is my work. Yeah. That is my ministry. Yeah, Knowing Jesus is my ministry. Now, while I'm doing that, mm. I may preach, yeah. I may teach, yeah. I may create programs. Yeah. But knowing Jesus is what my calling is. Yeah. Thank you, Joel. I mean, I know I've watched you, like you have done so many things, led many ministries, you have been a pastor, you have, I mean, written books, like created like so many mission, brought new ideas to the church. How would you describe your call? Like, I mean... That's a great question. Um, I don't know if it's actually listed in the New Testament, but I think I have the gift of clarity. Wow. Can you describe that? <laughs> God has wired me to be able to look at something mm -hmm. and to be clear in understanding it and knowing what's to be done. Uh, so you and I have shared a lot of time and a lot of effort together through the seasons and through different seasons of looking at where the church is at and what the church needs. So there was a window of time when you and I worked together on how the church needed to be far more aware of the lost world, the lost community. 
compassion ministries yeah. to the poor, marginalized, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, God's just wired me to be able to see it, understand a problem. Mm-hmm. There's this great, great quote, a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times the enemy brings confusion and a lack of clarity. And so good leaders don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they're grappling for answers. Yeah. Because they first can't understand the problem, yeah. and then they surely can't get to the solution. Mm. And for whatever reason, God's wired me, my brain, my heart, my experience, to be able to have the gift of clarity, where I can discern stuff pretty clearly and then know and map out a pathway forward. Simplicity becomes a huge part of that. Mm. You make things simple and clear. Yeah. So it's probably more confusing than simple, but my calling yeah. is clarity, clarity, just to be clear and to know where to go. Wow, yeah. I mean, uh, that's such a unique calling. And how does that help you? Uh, because I know you, you have a lot of experience, but uh, how did you land in that kind of defining role? Well, the first time you and I met was in a kind of conference gathering yeah. for a church planting initiative, yeah. which you were part of. And I was asked to come in yeah. and observe. Yeah. And there was 40 or 50 of us in this room. I remember that. And I observed. Yeah. And I left that meeting really clear with what the problem was. Yeah. And what needed to... And you were clear. And that's kind of how God put us together. Yeah. So that's an example of how that calling... I'm able to go in, sit, and be able to identify, here's the problem, here's the issue. I think for a lot of leaders, you know, when you are leading, a lot of leading is problem solving. Yeah. We're in a battle. It's difficult. It's hard. And problems can be caused because of people, mm. strategy, yeah. culture, timing. Yeah. You gotta know what's causing it, yeah. things like that. So that's where, okay, if you can see it, then you know the, to map out the way forward. Um, and I think, you know, bringing clarity to people where they can see it and their eyes are opened, then they can map out the way forward. Yeah, that's such a helpful definition. So your colleague can help like a one-on-one situation where you are helping and working with a, like a senior leaders of a church. Yeah. But also I think your calling can help the next generation where they can get the your distilled uh, wisdom or a content in through training, yeah. through, through books and things like that. I'll give you an example of that. One of the questions I oftentimes, or one of the statements I oftentimes will make is it's your biggest barrier is not what you don't know Mm. it's what you think you do know Mm. that's wrong yeah now that statement alone has helped many leaders go oh never thought about it that way yeah yeah. and you look through the scriptures samuel thought he knew Mm. the type of king god wanted yeah dead wrong the disciples thought they knew who jesus should hang out with and who should not hang out so they didn't let the children come in dead wrong throughout the bible you have examples of people who thought they knew who God was and how God wanted to work. And we oftentimes, we look at our barrier by what we don't know, but our biggest barrier is what we think we do know. That's wrong Wow. and incorrect. That simple example is part of bringing clarity. You help a leader understand that. Also they go, oh wow. And they look at what they know differently and then they can make changes and grow. Yeah, That's, that's so great, yeah. So, Joel, now you're at that stage of life where... Are you talking about that old stage? No, 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 not old stage. Your wisdom. (laughs) That's a wisdom. (laughs) You're you're wiser, more wiser. Um, It it feels like 
like that arrow kind of thing like your experience as a missionary kid uh, global culture leading a church so many things and now you have this intentionality around the next generation mm. like why do you think working with the next generation at this stage is so critical for you yeah well for sure it's God's led me into this and I think you know you and I've had this discussion too we don't necessarily even call them the next generation we call them the now generation yeah, yeah. because of the role that they have to play mm. now mm. Um, I think God's letting me into it because again out of my calling wanting to bring some changes mm. that I think God wants to bring Old Testament says the men of Issachar discern the times and knew what to do mm. well we are living in radically different times right. yeah. uh, than when I was a pastor. Yeah. And helping the younger generation know how to lead differently, mm. know how to react to society differently, um, know how to build ministry differently. Because mm. a lot of times, if it's only been modeled to you one way, that's all you'll do. If you've only been taught to think one way, that's all you'll think. And I think there is a need more than ever for some real paradigm shifts mm. In ministry and leadership and things like that yeah I did an entire leadership training based on the Song of Songs I'd never heard a leadership training based on the Song of Songs <laughs> before Absolutely. I barely heard a sermon yeah. based on the Song of Songs mm-hmm. and that's the kind of the craziness okay what leadership principles are in there I just think there is a need for our, our younger generation deserves the opportunity to think afresh yeah they deserve the opportunity to have other stories they can follow mm. and I know that that's why God's brought me into this space yeah. is to be one of those voices that can help change some paradigms mm. and at least say think about this in a different way no you have given us very uh, significant amount of your time like uh, Bible that guide app I mean a lot of our friends in uh, India and Nepal use that yeah. uh, and I remember like I think you were somewhere in India with, with me. You saw this next generation not able to figure out what the Bible is saying to yeah. them. And then you took this task uh, upon yourself. And then, I mean, you did it. And we're so grateful for that. Yeah. I don't know about anybody, but my wife sure does use every day. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and she, she, was, she tells me like, I mean, her Bible reading has become such an enriching experience yeah. just because of that tool. It has helped a lot yeah, of people yeah, and I'm yeah. really grateful to the Lord for yeah, that. Yeah, and so now you are working with this, uh, this the pillar yeah. program, let's yeah. put it that way now. Um, can you talk a little, little, little bit about that? Yeah, I think what got put in my heart was kind of wanting to see God and God wanting to in a sense, start a movement, not defined by a program, and not even defined by one specific type of ministry like church planting, mm. but a movement where younger Christians could find a place where they could belong, mm-hmm. where they could be seen, mm-hmm. where they could be authentic. Yeah. yeah. Where the language of that movement, the language of the teachings, the language and spirit of it was one that they would feel safe in, mm-hmm. but also pretty radically challenged to look at life and ministry differently. Mm-hmm. Some of the guiding principles of that inter- integration concept that yeah. we talk about, mm-hmm. family, ministry, life, stuff like that. And what would it look like to 
to be able to be a part of a movement of that. I've always believed this. God doesn't just speak to one person. He speaks to numerous people. That's why he's always kept you and I together. Because a lot of times things that he's speaking to my heart, he's speaking to your heart, he's speaking to other people's hearts. So pillars is a word that you find in a couple of scriptures where God basically speaks towards a younger generation that they will be pillars mm-hmm. in his church. Mm-hmm. And I love the word because it refers to strength mm-hmm. and just an integral part of the church. They're not on the periphery. They're not on the outside. Mm-hmm. They're not in the basement. They are substantial to building his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of key truths that are also the pillars of it mm-hmm. that we talk about that really guide us around the lines of intimacy or a warfare worldview or just how to think creatively, things of that. But even beyond that, uh, the idea of it's not a program or a curriculum like when you go to university, it's a collective, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a gathering of global leaders Mm -hmm. who kind of share this desire for this identity and in this season a new way of doing leadership Mm -hmm. a new way of doing ministry a new way of looking at the kingdom without disparaging anything else Mm -hmm. but just something that is more has a freshness and a relevance to it Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of the you as i talk about it because it's so new mm-hmm. um god is still defining it yeah he's still bringing clarity mm-hmm. to it but that that's kind of the genesis of it yeah it sounds i mean like we already <clears throat> i mean did the test drive and then we've seen some good fruit of it so what are your um some of the big uh dreams through this this program like what do you see changed I think there's an opportunity that hasn't existed before that exists now. There are a couple of, and, and this is not just Joel. I mean, you and I have had conversations. There are other apostolic leaders around the world who have spoken into this. Um, but a movement of leaders, multicultural. We now have technology that allows a young leader in India to be connected to a young leader in France. Yeah. To a young leader in Australia, to a young leader in Uganda. And they're all kind of facing the same things, to be able to learn together. Yeah. We saw that happen last year when we piloted pillars with a group of 50 leaders from 12 different countries mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. So multicultural is an important part of this pillars okay. uh, so that you have the opportunity to actually learn together with young leaders from other cultures mm-hmm. uh, and, and discover the creativity of God in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, multi-generational, mm-hmm. sometimes the danger in being an age demographic is you rule out the other ages. Yeah. And I think it's important that there be a unified sense of the generations that are there. So the spotlight is on a younger generation, Mm. but there is a need for an older generation who carries the heart of the younger generation. Mm. I am not the younger generation. I know it's hard for you to imagine. (laughs) I am not the younger generation, but I carry the heart of the younger generation. So that's why I'm a part of Pillars, Mm. even though I'm not anymore under the age of 40. Um, So that, that's there as well. And then the other element of it that I think describes it is that uh, multiple callings. This is not just about being a pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. In the world in which we live, the church has an important role. But so do Christians who choose to go into education, healthcare, yes. politics, yeah. influencing every arts, of society. influencing all these sectors. And that leadership role is as important in the kingdom of God as a church leadership mm-hmm. role. Yeah. And that's a paradigm shift the church is still learning yeah. and still valuing. Mm-hmm. 
um, because that leadership role in the kingdom will have a greater influence than sometimes the church leadership role. Okay, so this gathering of these uh, young leaders, multiculturally, multigenerationally, multi-calling together to say, okay, and the focus really is on them. Mm. It's yeah. not. It's you know, there's like I said, lots of different vocations, but it's on them and learning a new way of doing this, a new way of looking at themselves and doing this. Joel, I'm very excited to be part of this. And uh, uh, so thank you so much for being obedient to God to, to just you know, listen to Him, or discover Jesus and kind of bring clarity to us, you know. And um, it's a pleasure talking to my friend. Thank my you so much. Yeah. It's a fun ride. Yeah. Thank you so much everyone for tuning in to today's podcast. If this episode was helpful and meaningful to you, would you kindly subscribe, share and leave a review. This will be a huge encouragement to me and our team. Thank you and do join us next time.